My name is Jeff Bayless. Uh, brought in my favorite co-host, who is a repeat, uh, probably the most repeated guest, my wife, Heidi. Baby, thank you. Hello. Uh, so I wanted to set a set an intention for this episode and maybe just an idea of um, gratitude and prayer, right? So the idea being... Uh, so many of us go into prayer, go into our thoughts with the expectation of getting something back or the expectation that we can ask for something and be in control of that. Um, and so I would love to pick your brain and your thoughts on that. I know it's been something that I've had to work through um, in the way that I pray because I was raised to pray, God, please bless me. Please protect me. Please watch over my kids. Please provide nourishment please do these things for me, right? Like every prayer on deployment, keep me safe. You know, uh, please return me to my family. You know, all these, all these things uh, with an intention of, uh, we, I had good intentions going into that, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that's how we should be praying, right? Like, or what our, our thought process should be if we're reaching up and asking, uh, where where our intention should be so your thoughts well i just you know obviously a lot stems from you know how you're introduced into prayer or you know if i did the same when i was very young and i was told to pray every night um i asked for things that i felt like i didn't i didn't have or i didn't have the power to give myself. And I think that was just something that was introduced to me. You know, God is all powerful. There's a power that's outside of yourself that you, you know, you don't have. And so therefore you're going to ask for it because you feel weak or you feel like you can't give that to yourself. So, um, and I don't want to necessarily say that, or obviously when you, experience with age and wisdom sometimes you realize well i you know i can't always wish for things i can't always just you know close my eyes and 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 make things happen for myself or wait for some sort of external force to to give this to me i have to give a lot to myself i still think you know i i keep remembering my 90 year old aunt saying to me that when you do feel powerless uh, to something, it is okay to give, give that. Um, I mean, she says that to me all the time. She says, when you feel really out of control or you feel like you're powerless, um, she said it, that's, that's where that is useful sometimes in prayer is like, I give, I give that power to you because I don't have, I don't have that strength right now. So that's, just the hope that there is something external to you that will give you that um, 
strength to survive something. So there's something useful to it, but I. You mean there's something useful in praying or there's something useful in releasing the control? Well, if you say prayer, that may not necessarily translate to everybody's ways of, I mean, prayer is one form of that, you know, some people meditate, um, I guess depends on your spiritual leanings, but um, I would say that the vast majority of humans experience hardship and they're going to come up with, they're going to come up to a wall where they feel like they don't have the control or the power to deal with that situation and they want somebody to scoop them up and help them through it. And a lot of times that just, you know, so however that, that gets manifested in your life, you know, a lot of people have religious backgrounds and, and prayer is the, the mode in which people are um, taught to, to help request or ask for that power. Hmm. Um, but some people don't have those things. I mean, some people don't believe in a higher power that has. Yeah. If you're, you know, just a stoic atheist, but you still have a mindfulness practice. I still think there's some benefit in understanding that. I mean, as, as a Christian, I would admit that I've been guilty of that, right? Like just asking for God to, you know, give me the strength or take Mm -hmm. control. Right. And then, that requires me to think that there is some level of my understanding, which mm-hmm. is the absolute incorrect, you know, there's no way I could possibly understand. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like we have this limited view, so there's absolutely no way that I could ever potentially understand the universal divine design, like God's mm-hmm. divine inter- intervention. Like I can't understand these things. I can only So I think that's kind of where I'm coming into this conversation with intention. It's like one of my mistakes was asking for a certain thing, like asking for a certain. Yeah. No, that's human nature. And like asking not to die, like even, even as basic as that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't have that control. You don't know. Well, in Buddhism, they explain that very plainly. That's the ego. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are born with, uh, ego and we're born with expectations of how we think our life should be it, yeah. it, it should be this way that's the way it you know I don't want to suffer I don't want to have hardship I don't want life to be difficult um, and so when it does happen we want out we want it to go away we yeah. want somebody to relieve us we want um, the pain to be ceased and Again, everybody has a different methodology of how to, to try, but it's, it's, it's normal. It's natural for humans to not want to suffer. Uh, oh, so of course. But the expectation is that it needs to go away. Somebody, please help me make it go away. Right. Is, is, so what in Buddhism they say is you need to accept this Instead of saying, instead of fighting it, saying, please, someone take it away. Right. It, it, you know, you're supposed to let your mind wrap around the fact that this is what it is. Yeah. It's not wrong. It's not bad. There is no bad or good. It just is. It just is. Yeah. And if you change your 
this is a hard thing to do. This is super hard. If it was this easy, everybody would not have hardship. But if you are able to step outside of your own uh, concept of what should be instead of what is, then maybe you uh, wouldn't ask for it to go away. You would be like, I'm okay. I, I accept this. I and this is what I can learn it. from it. And this is what is good for me at this time. Again, good is maybe not the right term, but this is what's happening to me. I accept it. I don't reject it. I don't ask somebody to take it away. I don't ask for it to be um, gone um, or that there's something external to me that will relieve me. Um, that's kind of just saying I, I, I have, it's more of a control. It's just a control in reverse. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you, you, you have no control, but you want to still control the outcome. Mm -hmm. You still want the, you know, it to happen the way you want it to. So God, please give me serenity. God, please heal me. God, please, you know, don't let me die today. You know, those are all with the expectation that that's what you want out of the, that's what you want. So please make that happen. I can't control it, but please someone else do that for me. I don't know. So, yeah, I guess the encouragement would be that there is a way to look at it, right? Like there is a way to interpret these thoughts because you are not your thoughts, your interpretation of your thoughts, right? So there is a way to move through that and put energy out, uh, that is beneficial for you. Right. And so like, I'm Christian, you're, uh, you, you probably won't say it, but I mean, you're pretty much Buddhist, right? I mean, well, no, I'm, I, I don't, I guess I wouldn't put myself in that category. I just, I'm exploring, I'm learning. You're I spiritual like to, in nature. I'm right? also reading a Christian book right now. Sure. <laughs> so, so, but the point is yeah. there's an underlying theme in both of these or all of these theologies right that i think it's an underlying human thing. exactly yeah and so what what our nature is drawing us to do is you know ask for the higher power to fix it for us when really in my own personal life in my own experience god was fixing it for me i just didn't see it like i didn't understand at the time you know, like I, 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 in my limited view, I had no comprehension of what was in store for me later. If you think that God wants your enlightenment, your wisdom, your, you to be your higher self, your, your best self, then, then one would think God would want you to go through the difficulty. So you learn how to get out of the difficulty on your own. Yeah. I, again, that's me. I think when you're young, you don't, you don't see it that way. You're like, avoid, avoid mm. discomfort, avoid pain. Um, please make it go away. And we're kind of depending on, again, everybody has a different background. Everybody has a different upbringing. Um, and we are given tools from the time that we're brought into this world. We're given tools by our parents, by what we see to cope with difficulty. And for some of us, if we are raised in the church, we are, at, you know, we're raised to, to pray, you know, or to, you know, say, hey, it's all in God's hands. So therefore, I give, I give God that power to help me get out of the difficulty. Um, and then again, you know, some of us will 
look at, you know, have different means of, of dealing with that if you weren't brought in the ch- brought up in the church. I was not brought up in the church. So I didn't have that back. I mean, I did have some vague, <laughs> you know, oh, you should pray. Um, but I didn't really have a lot of specifics behind that philosophy. But so, does it really matter the modality as long as you believe that it's bigger than you and then that you come into it with peaceful, an intention? If if I I've just come to believe that it doesn't matter what means it comes to you if it comes to you where you um what is it what is it that's coming to you um not necessarily fighting the 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 suffering or what life hand i think there are just things that all right i'm i just literally finished a buddhist class online Buddhist class as we have So of course yeah. I'm going to start pulling from that. And I, sure. I mean, it's going to seem like I, I totally lean towards, you know, Buddhist what was the class about? thought, well, it was the history of Buddhism and how it, you know, so it's all, it was just the historical uh, background with it. But, you know, anyway, the, the, the Buddha went and learned and became enlightened that we all suffer. Mm-hmm. We none, not one of us comes into this world life that does suffering. not have. Yeah. Um, so that's like the first noble truth: is yeah. life is suffering. You're not going to go through it unscathed. Now, some people might again say this person had it better than me, or I have this set of you know hardships, and you know you don't. But the fact of the matter is, we, as human beings, we we don't. We, we're going to suffer and we're going to die or we're going to experience loss. We're going to experience illness. We're going to experience, you know, relationship difficulties, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess the people who are happiest are the ones that can say, this is part of it. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. I'm not going to fight when something bad happens, I can't fight it. I'm not going to win. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. So can I accept it with grace? Can so here, I... here's the, uh, like, I, I'm totally with you. Like, I'm not, um, mm-hmm. I agree uh, 100%. But the devil's advocate would say, so we just don't try, right? So we just don't. No. We don't fight. So like. Uh, fight, fight. What do you mean? When you, when you say fight, what do you mean? Do you fight the reality? So like, Do you, you know, fight the truth of the situation? If you're, if you're swimming upstream in whatever that effort is, uh, you know, at what point do you say, like you obviously know my career challenges and everybody that's going to listen to this already mm-hmm. probably has that understanding. And at a certain point, you know, I just said, okay, there's a certain amount of energy that I'm willing to put into a fight. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain amount of acceptance where I'm like, okay, God is showing me a sign that this is not the path, right? And so I have to accept it and just not putting any more energy into that, right? So at what point do you say, okay, because we, sh- we should all strive for greatness, right? Because yeah. I encourage people to say like, okay, it scares you, you know, you're, you're, you have imposter syndrome, like even this podcast right here, like if it weren't for you, I wouldn't even be on this microphone right now with you. Right. I had imposter syndrome, like now at 7,200 people, whatever, like what, at what point do you say, okay, 
you know, there's been some kicks in the teeth, but I keep going. So where is the, where is the balance of perseverance through adversity to surrendering to the universal divine or designer God's I think if you're fighting something tears you down as an individual, mm. I think if it makes you angry, I mm. think if it steals your joy, mm. I think if it's an impediment to all the progression that you've made as a person, it's not worth it. That requires self-awareness though, right? Uh, self-awareness yeah. and maybe someone yeah. around you saying, hey, like this you did is for not, me. <laughs> no, I, I mean, this is what people who love you yeah. what impact they have in your life you want you want a good friend or you want somebody who loves you to say hey this isn't good for you like what whatever you know i mean obviously sometimes you have to say it very very well and say it with love and not and know your it. audience right like know the person you're talking to you know yeah. i don't the last thing i mean the worst thing that you could ever tell me is you think i don't support you or mm -hmm. when i say something that i'm trying to tear you down I don't try to ever tear you down. Mm -hmm. I just try to say if when I listen to you kind of get heated about certain things that maybe you should try a different tactic or a different, uh, just because I see, a, I see it surf bring to the surface, maybe a side of you that it doesn't need to be there. Like you've, you don't need, to, I, I mean, when you, and we all get this way, we're, we're all human, but when I, if I would get angry, you don't like to see that. You're like, eh, that's not, that's not who I like to see. That's, you know, um, I won't say anger is not a normal emotion or even a useful emotion, but not sustained or like, so to go back to your, I'm not trying to make this really, really complex, but you can fight something if it, ends up if it's if it's fruitful if you know there's a difference between okay i'm trying to fight for the betterment of my career versus i'm trying to fight death yeah. or i'm trying to fight something or someone leaving me or yeah i mean that's a, that's an interesting dichotomy because you know just some things you cannot fight they're devastating, in, but you can't. In the military, them. we're taught this like warrior mental toughness, resilience, focus. Where like you don't quit. I mean, unless especially in actual evolutions or like in in legit like deployment situations, we're not like I've had to remind sailors of this all the time. Like we're not in training mode anymore. Like we're actually operating now. So I don't care what your SOP says back at your command. We're on deployment now. You're going to do what I tell you to do because, yeah. or, you know, we have this like risk mitigation thing, but you know, we're, we're like ingrained with this warrior toughness. And then, so, you know, this is why I like what the veterans path is doing with like mindfulness. And this is what you've been so beneficial in my life to give me some peace, to give me some center, to give me some, um, yeah, some center, you know, just some level of, you know, peacefulness where it doesn't always have to be the fight. Like sometimes, now I would also say like, yeah, if, if you're in a, if you're in a gunfight, like obviously you need to fight until the end of the gunfight, right? But if you're fighting against something that uh, is really an inner battle, 
then maybe you should just be still with that. Right. And, and, and surrender control. And then if you're going to pray or if you're going to, even if you don't want to call it prayer to God, like if you're just going to sit and meditate on it and be centered on it, then you're going to think about, or my, I guess my rookie advice would be to not ask for help, but to come into it with humility and gratitude, right? Like, Hey, listen, I know that I'm, I may think that I'm all these things, but in reality, I'm just another man that walks this earth, just like anybody else. Like, I'm just another human being on this planet. So let me just zero that equation, right? I am no greater than any other person on this planet. Age, looks, bank account, career, none of that matters. I am a human being first, right? So just level that zero. And then I'm grateful for all of these things. And then I understand that I'm not in control. And let me just remind myself of how grateful I am about these things. And then I would say God acts in your life in ways that benefit you. And, you know, we could say universe or whatever the design is, but that's kind of the message, you know, for my 50% of this conversation or even 20% of this conversation that's what I've learned is that you can be as badass in the world as you want to be. And you can fight as hard as you want against the riptide in some levels of your life, like you will hockey stick up, like you will level up with that. And it's hard to learn that you can't apply that same tactic to every facet of your life. Right. Like you just can't like some things you can't, can't do that. with. Well, I keep thinking of what your ego tells you that you need to be achieving and what you know, in your heart, you should be achieving. And that can be a that can be hard to distinguish in some people that have really really gotten sucked into what they think what their ego is telling them. Well, that requires the death of the ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. not an easy task. But like, I'll give you I'll give you my personal example. Um, you know, I've suffered through some some setbacks physically to um, my physical goals. Uh, I've you know had injuries that make running uncomfortable um and i kept using the voice in my head just power through power through power through that's really what i should be telling myself i listen to you know podcasts with david goggins i watch my friends you know just completely uh surpass where i had where I, I wanted to be um, in my hobby of running, my love for running and love for triathlon, et cetera. And all I could do was just beat myself up over it over and over again and quietly wish that all this, uh, these physical obstacles would just go away. And if I just did these things, A, B, and C, if I just stay patient, if I just did physical therapy. If I just maybe, okay, rested for a little bit longer. Maybe if I just took this pain medication, I mean, I would try to uh, work my way all around it and then just tell myself, oh, you just need to power through. You just need to fight. You just need to fight, fight, fight. And then I sat there and I was like, what am I fighting 
for exactly? What what is what is my goal with all of this? What is the why? What is the why? And the why I I ended up figuring out. And maybe it was more recent than <laughs> it was more recent than than it should have been. Um, is that it was it was my ego just telling me that I had to be this and I wasn't I wasn't making it and I had to keep fighting and. I don't know that that, you know, there is an acceptance of who you are and just having a self love that is, I am good enough. Yeah. And I don't need to do X, Y, Z to prove that to myself or anybody else. So and we're, talking, we're talking about a, a fight yeah. there. Is that a fight I need to keep going? Does that, does that mean, you know, that I'm less worthy uh, if I can't, you know, achieve the, physical goals that I had wanted to do previously. And is it, you know, no, that I, I, I have to pick what is important to continue to, to work towards. And I just feel like that this was my path. I, I don't, I'm not trying to get all woo woo here, but Go I do feel like that was, <laughs> that was maybe some universal design. Yeah. The universe was, or God or whomever, um, is trying to send me this message saying, yeah, I hit another, I'm sending another roadblock. I'm saying, no, it's not going to be that easy. You can't just wish for it. And, and sometimes you can't even just, you know, muscle it away or, or, or you know, just check off the boxes and you're going to get what you want. Um, because maybe what you want isn't really for the right reasons. And maybe it'll take you years to go through this. Maybe it'll take you, you know, all these different lessons before you go through this. But eventually, hopefully, that that's journey, gonna that be, journey for you. So don't less... keep praying. Don't don't you know the, that the prayer for that is for the wrong reason. It's for an e it's for it's to serve your ego. It's not to serve you or the world or whatever you have, whatever gifts you have. That's not my gift to this world. It's just not. So when, at what point, at what point will I like let that go and go, this is, you know, it's okay. I'm still good and be peaceful. Yeah. I had a few thoughts through with that as you were talking and, you know, we had a good conversation the other day that, you know, going back to relationships and, you know, I love you for who you are, not what you can do, right? And I think that's a good message for anybody, not that our relationship is perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Um, and that is because, you know, we're in a conscious relationship where I, I love you exactly for who you are, not what you are, not what you can do in the house, not what you can do in triathlon, not what, you know, like just not too long ago, we were like, well, if our situation changed with the kids, like how would we work that out? The answer is, I don't know, but I love you. And like, we'll figure it out. Right. Because I love you for who you are. Right. And there's, that's, that's an important piece. We're kind of straying away from the individual topic, but that, that's a good thing to bring up since, we're talking about self-worth and self-love. 
is that you deserve to be loved for exactly who you are, not and this this is something you taught me, honestly. This is why I started to seek help and talk to therapists and like admit things that are totally not cool for men to admit, like in my society, like in my realm, like to the you know, you know what? Like you taught me that it was okay because I knew that at the end of the day, you would love me, God would love me, and then at the end, you know, if I got that, like I'm good. You know, like I can admit that these things were mistakes or that these things were traumas that happened to me. And understanding that, I think that that's like pivotal. I mean, that's like, that's, that's a game changer, right? Like I don't need you to be making six figures, killing Ironman triathlon, cooking, cleaning, vacuuming, you know, I love you for who you are, not what you are or what you do. Right. And then on that, it's like, when do you accept that yourself, right? So somebody could say that to you. Somebody can show that in every way, like show it to you every day in every way. But then at what point do you say, okay, I'm grateful for this and, and I receive it, right? It's like the hardest thing to do is accept a compliment, right? Like, thank you for your service. Yeah. Right, like, oh, well, okay. I mean, it was a job. I got paid, so I don't know. Right. It's a hard thing to receive. And then after a while, I was like, yeah, I don't know. In my, in my personal experience, it's been much easier to accept someone else's love, but my own. And that's my personal journey. You are, you are, I love you, baby. You are very self-deprecating. Well, and you know, that's, that's my journey, but Mm -hmm. Again, I, you know, as, as I'm relating this back to the previous topic mm-hmm. that we had was, mm-hmm. you know, how much power do we have over our, our, I guess we were talking about like, you know, when we have, when we, we say prayers or when we wish for things and we give that power to something beyond ourselves maybe versus what do we, what strength do we have? What, what can we call upon in ourselves? Um, I think of that being relevant to me in that I think that for most of my life, I've just wished for the strength outside of myself to, to make me who I wanted myself to be. Please help me get out of who I am. You know, Hmm. it's not, I'm not, I'm not good enough as is. So therefore, whatever, you know, in the early stages of my life, I did prayer because I thought. Well, and that also stems from some childhood experiences, right? Sure. And I I can only. The body keeps. I can only put so much of that on someone else, but I have to own what I didn't what I didn't come to realize earlier in my life. Because you're aware of it now. I think that I'm more aware of it now. I'm not saying that that's, that's fixed it hundred percent. It's just, it's like a daily effort every single day. And it's a conscious um, idea that I feel like I just absolutely need to give to my kids. Mm. 
it wasn't something that was really discussed with me, you know, just self-worth wasn't an absolute um, important discussion that I imparted or that was imparted to me. That is not faulting my parents. They did the best that they could. They, they gave me a lot of gifts um, and I'm very grateful for them, but there was not a lot of discussion about you are good as is. You, you know, I was told, and again, in their defense, they meant, well, you have to work exceptionally harder than everybody else. You cannot fail. You have to do X, Y, Z in order to, you know, be good. Um, I think a lot of parents inadvertently maybe send a message to their kids that, okay, but as you are, you're not, can't just you, be, you can't, you, you aren't it now. So yeah. therefore you must jump through all these hoops and do all these things in order for you to be successful. I, I've loved, noticed that on just a, just a very micro. And so we pray for it, please, yeah. <laughs> please somebody give me the strength. Cause somehow I don't have it now. I've noticed that in a very, just one example is, you know, Haley's vegetarian mm-hmm. and, you know, that was all on her own accord, but, you know, I had a decision to make whether I was going to be supportive or not. Right. Like, am I going to judge her? And even so my son called me and said like, Hey, I'm doing this Ramadan fasting thing. Is that Okay. Because they're here this weekend, right? Uh, for the listener, you don't. So my kids are here this weekend uh, for Memorial Day, and I was like, "Absolutely! Like, why would you have to call and ask me that?" But kids are so they're they don't know. Like, they just don't know. Like they they learn by example. So my son sees that. Well, they have no wisdom behind them. Yeah. They, well, they he, and he, they and they don't learn, know what you as a parent will. Yeah. Be accepting of and what you well, want. They, they, they're going off your example, right? Mm-hmm. So my example is that I wake up, I drink this nasty green thing, but really it's only like 40 calories. So like I'm fasting until like two, you know, I'm working out and then from two on, like I, you know, I eat or whatever. Like, so his example has been like, oh, if you're not going to eat till eight for something like Ramadan, you know, is that going to be a problem? Like he was like, I just don't know if that's going to be an issue. Right. Like those were his exact words to me. I was like, dude, let's have a conversation about it when you get here. But absolutely. I support it. Like you can totally wait till 8 PM, you know, and both of my kids have said like, I'm supportive of that stuff. Um, whereas other family members aren't quite as supportive or understanding yeah. because yeah. they kids are, I feel like kids are, and I, you know, I do it too. Like we're not, nobody's perfect. Like that's what being a human being is, but kids are, they're molded by what their environment is. Right. And so like, if they're in our environment more than another environment, then that's what they're molded by. Right. So like if, if the expectation is you go to college and you're going to be a doctor, then guess what? They're going to do that. Like, not always. I don't think, I think that we're all. <laughs> Some people push against the grain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are, I think, I, I think about my three kids and they are, all three of them are very different personality little beings. You know, Sarah is like, miss whatever you say 
that whatever will make you happy, I will do. Mm-hmm. If you say, oh, you want me to run a 5K? I will do it. I'm not going to love it. And I will tell somebody else behind your back that I don't love this. But she wants me to be happy with her. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ben, my oldest son, will be like, no, I don't like 5Ks. I think running's terrible. Do not make me do that. Mm-hmm. There are going to be just different situation it's we're all made differently and we all have different agendas sometimes Um, do you feel like your kids or even my kids or most kids understand the idea of being grateful i think some kids understand it more because they are told they're 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 introduced to the concept Mm-hmm. They are, it is explained. Do you know that you? I was just going to ask, like, and so how I mean, can a parent I, let me, do that? Let me, yeah. Well, the way that the parent can do that is unfortunately, you don't want to be one of those parents who are like, well, there are kids starving in Africa, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. um, because they don't have a concept of that. But maybe it is important to, I mean, I, I did take my kids to a homeless shelter one time. Look at these people. Or they would see the homeless people on, I'll give you an example with Sarah. Again, this is my my youngest. Uh, We were in Philadelphia and we were at a volleyball tournament and we were walking down the street and she was like, look at all these people just sleeping on the street. Like they've got, they're sleeping on cardboard. I mean, she was young and she just didn't, that was something she asked questions about this. Why is this? And uh, she happened to find a $5 bill on the street and she picked it up and she literally handed it to the next homeless person that she saw on the street. That was an instinct. I didn't ask her to do it. That was just something she was like, after Intuitive. we had, after yeah. we had a discussion about some people do not have jobs. Some people struggle with making money and living and they can't afford to live in a home. She started putting these things together. I have, you know, I'm lucky. I, I don't, you know, my mom buys me lunch. Here's $5. I don't need this. Let me give it to the, the I think, person. I think the, I think the huge takeaway just from it's, what you said right there is it's that. It's exposure. It's understanding. It's not, it's like the story of the Buddha where his father was a king and sheltered him and want, said, I don't, I never want you to see a sick person. I never want you to see an old person. I never want you to see an ugly person your entire life because. And he brought women in he brought all he it. did yeah, yeah. because he did not want his child to see any of those things. Um, and then once he did, once he saw it, he was like, I can't live this luxurious life anymore. Yeah. I don't feel good about it. I'm going to go out and live in the forest and starve myself because this, that's not real life. Somebody just gave me an illusion. Yeah. Um, so now, don't, don't give your kids an illusion. Don't give your kids an illusion. That do, that doesn't mean you need wait, to wait, purposely so make your kids suffer. What I was, was going to say before I lose this thread of something that- of the world. Before before I lose this thread on something you said earlier, I think the to kind of put a keynote on something you said was that the important part is having the conversation with your kid, right? Or having the conversation with the person that needs to understand. Yeah, but don't just talk to them because sometimes that can be 
It's just not enough. You can, we can sit there and blah, 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 blah. You know how that is. You remember being a kid and your parents were like, well, let me just tell you. It's like the peanuts guy, you know? I think it no, needs, I, to, I be, it's, I needs to be show and tell. It no. needs to be. Oh, I get that. Yeah, no, I, I kind of actually disagree with you um, because I didn't, I didn't have a lot of conversation and I encourage conversation. Like I have very long form, meaningful conversations with my kids when they're here on purpose because I never, like nobody was having conversations with me about what was going on. Well, I'm not saying don't talk to them. Yeah, uh, don't I'm talk saying at is them. Don't just sit there and babble on. For sure. For, for you know, endless lectures. <laughs> yeah, I know what on you're, them I know where you're getting at with that. Because that is not yeah. going to connect with them. They need to I don't, see things. They need I don't to, want to discourage people from having conversations with their kids. So I think that is imperative to. No, I agree with you. Yeah. No, I'm just talking about babbling on and just well, giving them concepts of things that they cannot. You're, they you're talking, visualize. you're talking from a place of your experience though. Like not most people will like do that with their kids. I don't feel like, but. I think people feel uncomfortable about broaching subjects that are difficult with their kids. I think we are now in an era. Those are the ones you need to have. Well, (laughs) we have now introduced a culture of enabling and Uber protecting helicopter parenting our children. It's to a point where, and I, I understand it to a degree, but I think it's also a cultural pressure that we cannot do the things that we had the freedoms to experience when we were kids. Like my parents, again, um, this is going to make them sound like I'm speaking about them in a negative light. And, you know, parents, (laughs) no parents are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect parents to our children right now. We, We do all the best that we can, but we're still making mistakes. But what I'm saying is my parents were like, yeah, go out and play. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. goodbye not going to even ask where you are what you're doing until it's if the sun goes down when the sun comes down you come home and then you know only at that time will i start to worry about you but take your bike whatever go off into the world and live would we do this with our children now never i don't know any parents that would do yeah but but we're we're kind of what I'm saying is there's a fine line between that and this is a conversation we need to have. Oh, your girlfriend broke up with you. Oh, these are the books you're reading. Well, what, is, what I'm saying this, is that does play into it because all of a sudden we've branched into we're protecting you. We can't let anybody strangers talk to you. I disagree. We Why can't. is having a conversation? No, I'm talking about the someone. current yeah. era. Uh, uh, the current culture is what we're. Uh, for. This is why parents aren't having these conversations with their kids. Is because uh, they're afraid oh, to expose them to the boogeyman. Oh, uh, okay. You know, okay. Now we, it makes sense because I was totally like, no, maybe no, no. I'm not. I'm not on your vibe at all. Like we need to talk about this stuff. But I get what you're saying. No, we're, yeah. we're avoiding conversations uh, that bring yeah. hardship to their minds. Right, right. You know, right. Uh, no, we're not. We're not going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about sex. We're not going to talk about drugs. We're not going to talk about yeah. Because alcohol. we're going to bring you. We're going to yeah. be the uber parents. We're going to bring you up in a very, very, you know, sheltered existence and put you into this world. It, you know, where you are 
and, and now we're actually pushing the self-esteem thing. So in my era, you know, we were, we were torn down. Our, our self-esteem wasn't, was a booster, but now we've like flipped flopped. Now we're like, you're the best thing that's ever happened in this, on this planet. You cannot fail in any way. You could be the worst kid on your soccer team, but it doesn't matter. You're the best and you deserve a, a, a trophy let's, as much as the let's, person. Let's bring it back to the intention of gratefulness, right? And like how to, if, if we're talking about our kids, like how do we, how do we present that model to our kids of humility and gratefulness, right? So there are all these nuanced things in parenting and not being a helicopter parent and ensuring that like were you ever taught anything about reading books or um me i was that that was I books was that books that you wanted to read or yeah i was definitely mm. encouraged to re reading was definitely encouraged in my life uh having difficult conversations no, I wasn't, but I was definitely encouraged to read. I was encouraged to write. I was from the academic standpoint, I was definitely. How encouraged. do we, how do we encourage our kids? I guess we're going to go down the thread of like mm -hmm. parenthood on the theme of gratefulness and humility. How do we encourage our kids to, and we really didn't, I guess, quite finish the conversation with us, but with our kids, since we're on that thread for a minute, how do we encourage our kids to have humility and gratefulness or how do we, how do we kind of like breathe life into that for them? Well, I'm, I'm not an expert on child rearing. Um, but my, <laughs> my instinctual response to you would be something very, very simple as to just say a practice of what are you grateful for today? Just even the, what are you thankful for? Even if it's just one simple Thing every day just to kind of get their mind at like hey I'm grateful that there's breakfast in front of my face when you know not that you necessarily need to say hey there are a bunch of starving people in this world but there are you know there are people who don't have the luxury of sleeping in a warm bed every night or you know we have the tv on because we are able to pay the bill for the for the cable. Yeah, well, like you said things. earlier, like, you're... What are, but it's interesting what you would, when you do ask a child, what, it, what are you grateful for? Sometimes you get kind of disappointed in how, yeah, it, how it can shift to something very, very um, I'm grateful material. for those. Yeah, I'm, it, it's very material. <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful then for Taco they, Bell. they start to run out of that if you are consistently asking them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can only say Moe's so many times and I can only say my bike or, you know, some, some nice outfit that I'm wearing or whatever. And they start to think about, well, Hey, I am kind of glad that my parents, you know, put me through college or whatever. Like we talk, so my kids, sorry, this is a podcast. So we're talking to other people, but uh, on Thanksgiving, which shouldn't be the only day you talk about gratitude, but on Thanksgiving, we went around the table and asked the kids, what are you grateful for? And at least one of my children was like, I'm so thankful that, you know, my college education is being, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm getting a college education. Thank you. Um, that is material too, but just even 
they start to get a little bit more in depth the more yeah, you ask mature. that question. Yeah. If it's a question that you ask almost every day, eventually they're going to start to think about things that branch out to more than just what are your uh, cell phone. What are your thoughts on how you can apply that? Uh, and maybe this will kind of wind us into a closure, but I have my thoughts on it, but you're way better at it. Um, what are your thoughts on how someone can apply this into their daily practice, into their daily lives? You know, the cliche attitude of gratitude, but just when hardship hits you or when someone says something you don't like, or you're hit with another curveball, or when you're going to pray or, you know, when you're going to make a, a major decision in your life, you know, you're going to have a breakup. You're going to, you know, you, 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 somebody reached out to me uh, today that is considering divorcing uh, and they have kids and, you know, like a lot, of, a lot of people reach out to me and um, I, I encourage that because I enjoy the conversation. Like I enjoy, I get a lot out of those conversations, but I kind of always go back to like what, you know, what burdens are you willing to bear? And then what are you grateful for? And then what brings you joy? Right. So, you know, I know through hardship, what has brought me joy and what, what, lights a fire in me right and what i'm grateful for and i would say not to steal the mic for too long but i would say because of what you've taught me and what i've been through and you know the conversations i've been able to have with you and with my dad and um and honestly you just were talking with therapists and reading books and listening to podcasts and choosing the information that I consume rather than just letting it come into me, right? Like having a filter for the information that I consume has been very beneficial with my coping mechanism. Uh, that would also be church for me, right? Like, uh, personally, um, but even stripping away church, just saying belief in a higher power, like spirituality and in, in a sense that it's, the death of the ego, right? Like just knowing that it's not about me, right? Like that there is some greater good that I have to provide to the universe by not taking my life or not being a part of my kid's life or not doing what I was sent here to do, right? Like what my greater purpose is, but it's hard to get that reminder every day. Like it's hard to be reminded. Mm -hmm. So how do you, I know what works for me, you're way probably more well read into this subject of how does one remind themselves to come into something with humility and to be grateful? Like what is the daily thing that you do that works for you? And then how can somebody use that? Um, well, immediately the, you, you talked about books. Um, the first book that came into boom right on the top of my brain was uh, a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm going to be presumptuous and say that human beings are creatures of habit and we have habits that are positive impacts on our life. And we have habits that are negative impacts on our life. 
And when we choose to start small, atomic meaning it's tiny little particle, but it has a huge, huge impact, is by saying, I'm going to do a small habit every single day until it becomes something that I just do naturally. And when you decide I'm going to incorporate this into my life, it will have a dramatic impact over a period of time. So even if it's just to say the first thing that I will do when I wake up, no matter how difficult it can be to come up with something is to say what, or write it down, you know, whatever you've decided that small little habit to be, I will um, each day write one small thing that I'm grateful for, even if it seems minor, like having ketchup for my fries and I like ketchup or, you know, whatever it becomes then a natural instinctive habit to say, I'm mm. grateful for something. And then you can incorporate the, the next positive thing, you know, which is to breathe quietly for five minutes and just say, I'm going to say something positive to myself, even if it's a quiet affirmation that whatever. So that can be your next thing. I write down something great that I'm grateful for, or, and then I sit down for five minutes. I breathe. If it's a guided meditation practice or, you know, even using one of those like things like the daily shine or something positive. I mean, there's so mm. many different tools that you could use if you just couldn't instigate it on your own. And you say, I need something to help me press the button on your phone. Fine. Use your phone. You know, you know use something, an app. something I probably never told you before. And I was actually, my intention was to let you close out and I still will, but, uh, I probably never told you this before, but I developed like a mantra for myself and it, it probably started when I had like suicidal ideations um, or when I had like unhealthy coping mechanisms, like whether that would be like reaching for a bottle of fireball or escaping, like escapism was a big thing for me. Like just, you know, if, if things weren't comfortable, like I would run away. I mean, you, you saw that when I was really in my lowest, like I, even in my subconscious, like not even, I wasn't even aware of what I was doing and I would like go sleep in the closet. You know, like I, that, those were not thoughts that I was having consciously, like to escape. It was in my subconscious. And then once I got to a higher conscious, I started to like kind of develop this mantra of like just patience. And that's just kind of a word that I would say to myself to encourage myself to like, you can call it stillness or you can call it prayer. You can call it meditation. You can call it mindfulness. Like for me, patience was a word that resonated with me, right? Where I'd just be like, okay, I just need to be patient. Right. But that's the word that resonated with me that would make me think, right? So I, I would encourage people not that that's the word they need to find or the thing that they need to do. But for me, finding that word patience it worked for me. Like I was like, okay, right now this is something I can't control. I could react to it. Patience. <laughs> like, and I would legit, like, just like, I would clench my fist. The the listener can't see me doing this, but I would just clench my fist and, and kind of like breathe into my hand, just go patience. Like, give me the strength. 
just need, you know, I need to be patient in this moment. I think whatever keeps your mind from going off into that like, exactly yeah. crazy place that. That's why I almost hate to say the word patience, like, because it worked for me. So I don't want to put a title on it, but. Well, or somebody could say, just breathe. Yeah, or right. Or whatever, yeah. just say something over and over again. Or, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm mm. okay. And then count their breaths or whatever. And, and then return the intention back to something you're grateful for, right? Yeah. I mean, they're different. They're different tools um, or it's saying, Hey, I'm going to reach out to a friend and talk this out or, you know, or I'm going to go out in the sunshine or breathe some air. Um, I mean, there, or I'm going to stretch or I'm going to do yoga or I'm going to do, I mean, there are just so many different ways that you can approach it. But again, it's, it's the habit of, instead of letting yourself spiral, what is my, what, what are, what are my small little things that I do every single day to kind of help me not go down that path, not go down the, you know, the rabbit hole. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's definitely, it takes time and you can't do it all at once. You can't fix it all at once. It's small little atomic movements, little atomic habits. What, and, are, you, what are you grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful for a lot. <laughs> I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my career. I'm grateful for um, my health. I mean, I can go on and on. I, ha I feel like when I really sit down and think about it, I have an endless supply. I can never run out of things to be grateful for. I can't. I mean, you, you, when you are when you sit there and you think I have nothing to be grateful for, I can't even come up with one thing. You really need to sit down and, 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 and regroup <laughs> and, and start reevaluating your life. If you have nothing that you're grateful for, you're not thinking uh, thoroughly because I think the vast majority of humans have a zillion things to be grateful for. You just need to put it in the concept of gratitude instead of, you know, this, this thing that's outside of yourself, it's endless resource. I'm grateful for you. Grateful for you. Love you, baby. Love you too. Tap me in, babe, just like you.